0: Save your seat now at growandemaiallist.com. That's growandemaiallist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 299. What do you want to be when you grow up? How did you answer that question as a little kid, as a middle schooler, teenager, or even a college student? The question can be anxiety-inducing when you're multi-passionate or when you haven't quite figured out what your true purpose is. It can be an even worse question when you're already on one path and you realize maybe this isn't the right thing. Shea McGee is part of the husband and wife team behind Studio McGee, An interior design firm I am obsessed with, known across the country for bright and clean aesthetics. I could get lost in their Instagram feed for days. I've bookmarked almost every single post. And their feed has served as an inspiration for the interior of my own home and my someday dream home. But Shade didn't start in interior design. In fact, she earned a degree in a completely different field before realizing that what she wanted to do was design. So she changed her path and created her life and the business she knew she was meant for. We're talking about that question. What do you want to be when you grow up and how to make strategic measured changes to pivot the degree or experience you have into the purpose you know
1: If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Okay, Shay,
0: I'm sorry, but I am such a fangirl, and I usually can contain my fangirldom, but for some reason with you, I'm just, I'm really, really excited to chat with you today and to kind of hear some of the story of the behind the scenes of Studio McGee. So thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So let's kind of kick things off with your story. You went from a PR degree to design. It's a little bit of a pivot. I also have a degree, but in PR. So I kind of am curious about the story that landed you to where you are today. Can you walk me through that? Sure.
2: So I, yes, I went to school for public relations and I graduated with a degree and thought, okay, you know, now I do PR, right? So yes. I, I got my first job. And I worked in the agency world for a couple of years, not too long, and enough to learn that it was not the right fit for me. I loved certain things about it. I loved that I got to write a lot, which is something that I enjoy. And I really liked, I liked the idea and strategy behind public relations. But when I started in the agency world, I was having to make cold calls, which is hilarious because I hate calling people. So (laughs) calling people and like pitching things that I just didn't believe in. So once I realized that it was really hard for me to get behind something that I wasn't innately excited about, I realized that PR wasn't for me, but the, Understanding of how an audience responds to what you're putting out there has been invaluable to my career in design. If you are a designer that is working for yourself, half of your job is figuring out how to get clients for yourself. Yes, your work does part of that, but I had to, I started from basically nothing and using those tools of how to reach an audience is obviously proved to be a huge part of our success. And so, yes, it was a pivot. Yes, it maybe took me some extra time to get a degree in one thing and then go back to school for another. But it actually... It worked out. I'm glad it worked that way. I didn't get my degree in design though. So I once I was working in PR, I kinda just always had like a little bit of a side project. I had like when in the heyday of like headbands and like homemade hair accessories, I had like (laughs) a hair accessory business and I got it on I don't know if you remember what daily candy is, but that was like a huge deal. And the today show using my PR skills, it was a tear like it was not a like a really good (laughs) business, but I was able to do a lot with a little with this skill set that I had developed. And so did that for a hot minute. And really, I loved doing creative things. And I was like, Oh, I think maybe I'll be a wedding planner for a second. No, that no, that's not what for, it is for me. So then we were in our first apartment at night, uh, newlyweds. And I started reading design blogs all the time, especially because it was when the economy had really taken a hit. So the agency that I was working at didn't have a lot of work for me to do. And by a lot, I mean, they had very like no work for me to do. But they kind of kept me around as the PR girl. The I was at an advertising agency and I was like the one PR person. So, they kept me around to kind of offer that service to potential clients, but It was just a hard time for everyone. And so I just read design blogs all day. Uh, So um, (laughs) I, I hate even admitting that that's how I spent my time. But that's what I did. And that was kind of my first year of design school was reading design blogs. And I just loved it. I could not get enough. But I can't draw. I still am not a good artist. And so I was really afraid. I was terrified to go to design school thinking that I would be bad at it. I think I wanted to be a designer in my heart so badly that I was so scared to even try because what if this thing that I wanted didn't work out because I was actually kind of bad at it. So I didn't go to school. And then my husband was just like, go to a community college. No one is going to judge you for taking a few classes. Just go and try it out. So I did. And it was great. I took a few semesters. I was able to build the confidence to just even know the terminology needed. And really, once I we bought our first fixer-upper, it was a short sale. We were in Orange County. So the economy... like The housing market had taken a big hit. So we bought a, a short sale and it needed some work. And I just was like, this is my opportunity. So I took... <laughs> I convinced Sid to let us use our savings to fix this house up. And that that was going to be the investment into my business. And I don't know why he went for it. He loves me a lot because I had no experience. And I just spent all of our money fixing up this house and started posting to Instagram. And I got clients that were, you know, it was one room at a time. Or can you style my bookshelves? And I just said yes to everything. I didn't really have a, a bar at the time. It was just like you actually are going to ask for my opinion? Yes, I will do it. I was just so excited that people were asking me for my design opinion. So I just went for it and built a clientele. I really was one of the very first people that started using Instagram. I don't think I was the first by any means, but I was very, very early in the interior design Instagrammer world. Ugh, and I love that. yeah, so I just realized that the people that had built followings in the fashion industry or brands that I've liked, they posted every single day. They were very consistent. And so I just modeled myself after them because there wasn't really someone to model myself after in the Instagram world. So I did that and I really didn't want to answer questions because I was thinking that my clients would get upset if I answered questions. And this is a sticky subject in the design space is answering questions and giving away answers that clients have paid for. And Sid was just like, well, why don't you just pick and choose the things that you feel comfortable answering instead of just being someone that doesn't answer anything? Do your best to engage and at least respond every single time and i kind of rolled my eyes but he was totally right so i started doing that i answered questions about paint colors and and where things were from and did my best to share how to's and i think that that really helped gain a loyal following from the early days to showing the story and the process and just me learning along the way and at a certain point i think about a year in i uh, to this design business we had our first baby and I thought I was going to stop. Funny enough, I thought I was going to. I told all my clients, you know, I'm not sure if I'm coming back. Maybe we'll see. I need to take a break, just figure this mom thing out. And I had emergency C-section and was kind of a wreck. Like I was super depressed. And then Sid told me one day he was leaving his job. He had worked. His brother had started a company and Sid was their first employee. And they had built this business and it was acquired. And Sid was ready to leave and go out on his own and was like, I'm not working with family again. (laughs) So he left and we fumbled it was just like, we've got to figure out how to pay the bills. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just keep doing the design work. And it was a really, really rough year. Just feeling lost is kind of a hard feeling. And so we just we didn't know what we were doing. And it's it was hard to not have a plan. I am a planner. So I think that that was probably the hardest thing for me. At a certain point, Sid, I had an assistant that worked for me. And then Sid really started taking some of the back end work off of my plate and just like being like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Why is this? Why are you taking 10 steps to do something when we could consolidate and make it, you know, two steps? And I'm like, well, I don't know. This is just how designers do it. And so he came in from an outside perspective and saw that there were a lot of inefficiencies. And so he helped me. And then I started begging him at that point. Can you like, (laughs) let's do this together, please. And he like, didn't want to tell anyone that he was working with me. It was like out of our guest bedroom. And it was just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm just kind of helping Shay, you know? But at a certain point I had begged enough that we both woke up one morning and he looked at me and he was like, I think we should sell our house, move to Utah and... I think we should do it. And I'm wow. like, yes, okay. So I didn't really want to leave California, but I knew that if we sold our home, we'd be able to make a chunk of money, move to a place that was less expensive and invest that money in our business. So we launched Studio McGee basically five years ago this month. And we you know, lived off of our savings and then took that money and hired our first few employees and just really haven't slept well since.
0: (laughs) Just lots of
2: lots of work and it's been a really wild ride. But it's crazy to think of, you know, I was thinking about I was telling Sid the other day, like, look at how far we've come. I know we feel like we have so much more to do, but we had one room in a downtown loft that had Uh, no air conditioning and we were sweating and the bathroom was disgusting and you know just like we've come so far that we're just so happy to be in air conditioning now (laughs) it's great so I think we have like I lose count. Honestly, it's like between 80 and 90 employees now. It's 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 crazy. And and that's that's been the last couple of years. It's been a lot of growth. And we even launched a new company. So we went from having Studio McGee that was just design services to launching McGee & Co., which is our product-based business. Yeah. So we made our first hire. And I think that we were in a more... I wasn't acting as creative director. My title now is CCO. So I didn't even know that that was title. Chief creative (laughs) officer. So I oversee creative across everything. Whereas when we started, it was truly, I was the lead designer. And then she was learning as a design assistant and then grew from there. And as we had... A few designers join our team. We were able to teach them and they grew. And then I was able to relinquish some of the things that I was holding on to and allow them to do the communication day to day, start pulling things for projects. And then I could review them instead of doing 100% of everything. We were able to slowly start delegating and giving responsibility to our team members and that's only that way that you can grow. But that's hard. You know, if you have one bad experience with a team member that you give the trust to, and something goes wrong, then you kind of go back to your old ways <laughs> of wanting to keep everything. And I have had to learn the hard way that that's not the way to operate. It's still hard for me to do. I care so much about the creative visuals of our business that it's hard for me to let some of that go sometimes, but time has taught me that I have to let go sometimes. So as we've grown, our team has grown and there are so many different facets of our business. And I think that Sid and I spend probably the majority of our days in meetings, (laughs) whereas before it was like a meeting. Why would we have a meeting when we're all (laughs) in the same room? (laughs) You know, it's already so.
0: So visit activations.com forward slash gold digger now for over 60% off. Do not miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts and it expires soon. That's activations.com forward slash gold digger. Oh, I love that. I think there's so much that resonates and so much that's true is like when we start, it's like this passion. And then all of a sudden we're growing this like actual business and we find ourselves in the trenches. But really you had to rise up to be this visionary of the company. And I mean, talk to me a little bit. You kind of touched on it. Back. What is the difference of your day-to-day life from like when you first started this thing and we're wearing all the hats mm-hmm. to now being like the CCO and managing? a team of over 70 people. Yes.
2: When we first started, we would get project inquiries and We'd go and I'd be the person that was like measuring the space and talking to the client about what they were hoping for the design would feel like. And then I would be doing all of the sourcing and the shopping and I'd be putting together the design boards or I'd like hunch over one of our designers' shoulders and we would literally work through every single facet. We would have a hundred tabs open and we'd go through every single item at every single website together. Whereas now I have one to two days set aside where I meet with all of the designers and, We have these kickoffs where I work with them to set the tone and the vision for the space for the whole home after they have had the introductory call with our client. They find out the client's hopes and dreams and they're the ones that are doing the day-to-day communication, but I am there through every part of the putting together process. So pull a hundred options for a chair, let's say, and that's excessive, but they'll pull a lot of options for a chair and then we have lots of options for everything. And then I sit with them and we work on putting it together in a way that feels like us or Mm -hmm. I'll present some combinations of things. And I'll say, this is great, but I need you to pull more options for hardware or the pendants aren't feeling quite right. So let's pull more. But before it wasn't to go back. It wasn't like allowing them to go and find and then bring back to me, it was just like, we did everything together because that was all we were doing was this. And then, as we've grown and then our designers have grown and there's just so much trust there that they can go pull good options. And then we put it together and it's a team effort. And I love working in a team, especially on the design side of things. It's just actually across the board. We work in a very open concepts office. We just like working together because it's nice to get out of your head. You know, you've been staring at something for so long and you don't even know if it looks good anymore, if it just looks stupid. And you just need someone to say, Yes, this looks good. This doesn't, you know. And and so we, I think we have a really great balance of push and pull, and that. So I have like one day that's dedicated to that sometimes too, and I try to be at every single install. If we have a a site visitor or two that are big ones, then I'll go out to those, and so involved, but not to the level that I was. But I kind of learned that I don't need to be answering the day to day emails, but. I can get the same results, beautiful projects if I'm involved in the intricacies of actually developing the design, but then someone else can run with the day-to-day. That's where we have found a good balance. But I'm not a person that could have offices all over the country because I don't need that. I don't really want that many projects anymore. I think that at one time that was the vision, but I want a select few set of clients that we can really push it that to the next level and have the size of projects that we want to have. But then that allows us to have McGee and co, which is a lot more scalable. I can pick all the items that go on the site. We can set the for vision and direction for each quarter, but then I have this whole host of magicians that make everything else happen oh, and <laughs> fulfillment to customer service and, and everything else. So.
0: Well, I love to, when you launched your shop, it, one, it made design accessible for a lot of your followers. Mm -hmm. So from a business standpoint, it was brilliant because so many people are passively following you, but they're not actually taking action. And we talked a lot about like inspiration versus action. I can be inspired by you, but nothing is going to happen in my life or yours if I'm not actually taking action on that inspiration. And I feel like when I looked at it, I was like, duh, like so many of us in the service- industry. We suddenly realized that we built this business where we're essentially just trading our time for money and it's not Mm -hmm. scalable. So walk me through the process and kind of your thought process of starting the online shop and kind of what that's looked like. Yeah. So
2: the online shop was, it it was always something that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Sid and I both, that was probably the, the together dream that we had was creating a brand that allowed access to designer style and pieces but still felt approachable and didn't feel too stuffy and that was the that was the goal from the beginning and it started with just pillows and then that grew from pillows to a few accessories and then from accessories it grew to you know furniture and rugs and artwork and lighting and it's really just grown and grown And I think that we have grown so much. And that's only been, and we've been doing that for like two, maybe three years now. And it is really where our focus has been for growth because it doesn't spread me quite as thin. And it's been so fun. Like the product design side of it is this new challenge for me. And I love it. Uh, it's been a huge, it's hard product development is hard. And I think that going into it, you think it's going to be easy. Like, well, I know what I like. I can design furniture. I design custom furniture for clients, but doing it on a larger scale and getting the prices to where we need them to be it's a, it's a big learning curve. And that's what we've been going through for the last year or so.
0: I need to know, like, have you battled with imposter syndrome at all? Because when I look at your story, you know, a PR degree and then you fall into design and now you are doing things that you probably never dreamt you would Mm do, things you don't have a degree in. Do you battle imposter syndrome or have you kind of stepped into this role of... No, right this very second, battling
2: (laughs) it right this very second. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think that... There's a lot of evidence to say that I can do it, but yeah. it still feels like, what am I doing? I yeah. didn't go to school for four years to do, I don't know why the four years of school makes people feel like they can do anything, yes. but like something about that and me not having it makes me feel like I, you know, I guess I just had to learn through trial and error. I've had to learn on the job. And, you know, when you're growing a business, there's always something new yep. and you kind of have to learn it all because before you can afford to hire an HR person, you have to be the HR person yes. and before you can afford to hire a marketing director, you have to be the marketing director. And before you, you know, and so you have to learn all of these things that you actually really don't know how to do. Yes. And so growing a business does feel like one you're just an imposter in every area. (laughs) Oh, we're going to develop products. Okay, cool. Well, I'm not a product designer, but I think we (laughs) can figure this out. So, but you know, I think that in a way it makes us more careful because yes, we go for things, but because we're trying so hard to make up for lack of, you know, professional experience in a certain area, we research things so that we can really get them right. And we're not afraid to have the feeling of this didn't go as we planned. (laughs) And I think we need to reevaluate what we're doing. Okay, this didn't work. All right, looks like we need to uh, go back to the drawing board. That is a skill that I think I have developed. I don't think it was always that easy for me to be like, Oh, shoot, that didn't work. I think before I would have been devastated. Yeah. And I've learned a lot over these past few years about um, failing. And then just, I mean, I think the difference in people that are successful, the people that I admire, like, it's not that they didn't fail. They just kept going. And so I guess that that's my mentality. When I start letting the imposter syndrome creep in, it's just, just keep going
0: Hmm. I feel like entrepreneurship isn't success and failure. It's experimentation around every corner because experiments, yes. they either yield great results or you've just got to tweak the variables. Yeah. A little bit. Exactly. <laughs> when I look at it that way, it feels so much less intimidating, but I mean, when I think about you and your story, it's like, we are wired with having titles and prestige and honors and awards and all of these things. And I want to ask you a serious question. Has anyone ever asked you, where did you get your design degree from before hiring you? Because as a wedding photographer, no one ever asked me if I had a degree in wedding photography, my work spoke for itself.
2: No one has asked me that. (laughs) You know, what's funny is that who asked me that is like, People on Instagram that want to go out on their own. Yes. And they don't have a design degree. They're the only people that ask me if I have a design degree because I think that they maybe need the little push or the courage mm-hmm. that they can go out and do it themselves too. I think those are the only people that ask me
0: about that. Isn't that funny to think of though? But like to us, we're like, oh my gosh, they're gonna ask me. I think we're all just waiting to be found out where somebody's like, <laughs> you don't know yeah. what you're doing, and you're like, yep, I knew I didn't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Have you ever thought about like as a mom, uh, Drew and I have been talking about this lately, having a new baby, is like, what if your children don't want to get a degree? What would you say or like how would you process that?
2: I think I'm very, I think I approach it very differently than maybe how my parents looked at things. Yes. Right? And, and they, I think that my thing is, is like, I just want my kids to find something that they're really good at and yeah. be really, and then be really good at it. Yeah. Work really hard to um, be successful at whatever it is that they find themselves falling in love with. Uh, I would want them to, you know, if they were like four years for your degree isn't for me. Well, then what is for you? Yeah. Because I don't want it to just be this place of like apathy. But yeah. uh, I think it's just about finding, and I didn't find what I fell in love with on the first try. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to probably tell myself that when I see my kids kind of fumbling through yeah. figuring out what they're going for, because I think it's hard to watch. Yes. You just want your kids to be. Happy and find success right away. Yeah,
0: I know. I love that, and I think too. Like you said, it's like this generational difference. Because my mom was like, "Oh, did you start a college account for Conley?" and I was like you know, I don't know if I necessarily want a college account cause she's going to see her parents be entrepreneurs. And what if she has a great business idea and that money could go into like a business plan? Like, I think just our generation, especially entrepreneurs who have like made it work, we see, obviously there's so much benefit of getting a degree, but it's also not totally necessary in order to do what you love. It's like this weird balance, I think. Right. I love it. When it comes to content creation, you either do it because you love it or because you know it's a powerful business tool. Now, either way, it takes a ton of work. Whether you're building your website from scratch or struggling to manage payments, you need Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate one-stop shop that's been my go-to for almost a decade. Yes, nearly a decade. It's designed to help creators and entrepreneurs build thriving online businesses with steady recurring income. Whether it's blogging, coaching, or podcasting, Kajabi Kajabi makes it simple to transform your passion into profitable online courses, exclusive membership sites, and so much more. Over the years, Kajabi has been my rock from hosting my signature courses like the Pinterest lab to handling transactions without taking a single penny of my money. That's right. You get to keep 100% of what you earn. With Kajabi, you get powerful analytics, simple payment options, effective email marketing tools, and beautiful website templates that you can customize. And here's a little secret. You don't need a massive following to earn a great income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi who are making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers, and you can be one of them. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com goal. That's kajab dot goal. Join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion today at kajabi.com goal. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash golddigger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash golddigger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Okay. So one thing I want to ask you about is, you know, with a creative client-centered business, I'm sure you're no stranger to criticism And one of the number one questions I get asked, and so I want to turn it and ask you is like, what is your advice for handling feedback and creating positive client experiences? Yeah,
2: I, well, first of all, I think we've been lucky that our clients for the most part are really nice. So when they're providing feedback to us, they're doing it in a nice way, (laughs) even if they are like, can you redo these five things it's you know they're they're doing it they're saying it in a way that you can't even be upset because they're asking nicely so that makes a big difference but I will say that giving our clients the platform and the opening to provide criticism and feedback is the way that it makes everyone feel comfortable because it's kind of like you prepare yourself for it you're saying here are the designs let me walk you through them let me tell you why I chose them but you know, sleep on it and then send me your feedback. If there are things that you're just not feeling excited about or things that you wanna change, you just can't get on board with that dark paint color, let me know and we'll, we'll work together to find other options that we are all excited about. Mm. And then it kind of opens up the door. They don't feel like then they have to have this awkward phone call with you. Oh, I don't like this. You know, it just gives them the opportunity to provide the feedback and you're ready for it. And then I think it goes so much better. So it's not as awkward. That's something that honestly, I don't think we had to find that out through. I think I'm such a people pleaser that it comes very naturally to me to be like, (laughs) okay, tell me what you don't like because I'm just wanting them to be happy and I don't want them to hold their feedback in. But, uh, yeah, when creatives are like, here's the designs and then they drop it in their client's lap yes. and walk away. It's hard
0: for everybody. I think what you just said is one of the most valuable things that have ever been shared because I think so many people, especially when you're passionate about what you do, you don't even want to Ask for feedback because you're worried that it might come peppered with criticism, but it's how you grow and it's how you get clients that don't stop raving about you. So I love the way that you phrase that because you invite people to share what they're thinking or feeling or or talking about behind closed doors and kind of opening that up to create like a super positive experience. And I think fear holds a lot of people back on that. Yes. Oh, I love it. Okay, so what advice would you give someone listening who maybe they went to school and they got a degree and now they're worried like I made the wrong choice? How would you encourage somebody that might be feeling a little stuck today?
2: I feel like, and of course I'm speaking from the design world, but it can apply to anything. I think you just have to get your feet wet. You have to know that if you are wanting to make this drastic change in your life, maybe don't quit your day job until you've Stayed up really late for a while, knowing that you're very passionate about it and that this could potentially work. I feel like, on a win, just dropping everything, I am too much. Like I've said before, I'm a planner and I like to feel confident going into things. And it worked for me to dabble, <laughs> dabble in a creative industry before going all in. I had to build yeah. a little bit of confidence. And so, I think anyone that has an interest or passion in something, you got to give it a shot because you might discover that it's actually not all that it's cracked up to be.
0: So I would test the waters. I love it. I'm with you a hundred percent. I feel like If I were president, (laughs) I would have kids who are transitioning from high school to college job shadow somebody that has the position they think they want, because we like, you know, when you were talking about PR, I I don't know if people will resonate with this uh, context, but I was visualizing Kelly Catrone in the hills back in the day. And I was like, I went into PR because I wanted to be Lauren Conrad and like not everyone lands a Lauren Conrad team job, you know? No, you find yourselves
2: repping like insurance agencies, you know, like insurance companies. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this wasn't (laughs) what I thought it was going to be. And yeah, I wish that I could have shadowed. That would have been so great, but it's funny it's like, I say that, but then I feel like if I had oh done God. it all over, I don't yeah. know if I really want it. I feel like you can learn something from every job you do. A hundred percent. Even if it's, you know, checking someone out of the grocery store while you're in high school, you can still learn how to communicate with people. Yes. And I think that there's little nuggets. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing if we took a little bit of a windy road to get where we're wanting to go.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's just one of those things where it's like the visualization, especially nowadays too, with social media, of what people think you do versus like what your day really looks like. It's almost hysterical. Like, real quick, just paint the picture of like your last Instagram post versus your reality and then we'll wrap up. I just want to know. <laughs> oh yeah. to look at my last Instagram. Post- it was oh, the right. beautiful entryway of your new home that you're building. Oh yeah.
2: So we have this beautiful new home that we're building <laughs> and you know, it's, we're all excited about packing and moving. And, but before that it was like, 10 problems with our house came up and we had this really tight deadline because we have to be out of our rental because it's sold. And so everyone's stressed about, you know, and then our team, we're shooting, like we're nuts. So we're like building a house and then moving in and we're filming this show (laughs) at the same time. And then they're filming us moving into our house. And that happens to be like a day after we move in, like we install another house. So we're installing someone's house for three days and filming it. And then the next day we move our house. And then I come to the office and I'm like, but is everything going to be here on time? And everyone's like scrambling and, you know, we're have our meetings for just like, we're getting ready for holiday season for Mickey and Co. And it's like, do we have enough in stock? Do we have enough? People working at the warehouse, do we have enough team? Then it's like our designers are like, hey, what about me? Remember how we actually design houses and you're like (laughs) filming a show now? And so that was my day. And then it's like this beautiful, peaceful shop. Entryway. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See, this is what I live for, and this is like what people need to know because behind every beautiful Instagram photo is an entrepreneur scrambling to keep on going forward. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and don't forget that we all have families too. Like
2: it's like picking up the kids from school, and then I like am at gymnastics, like at gymnastics with my laptop trying to like give them thumbs up that they're doing a good job at the backhand like, springs, but then like answer an email and, you know, it's, it's not all smooth sailing as
0: much as it may look that way on social media. <sighs> That, that literally just made my day. Okay. <laughs> where can everybody find you, connect with you, shop the shop, all the things kind of give us the lay of the land.
2: Yeah. So Studio McGee is our Instagram account where we share design inspiration and our projects. And then you can follow us on YouTube, our Studio McGee YouTube channel. And we have archives of hundreds of videos of how-tos and tours. And then mcgeeandco.com is our shop where we sell furniture and accessories,
0: textiles, everything for the home. Oh, my gosh. Shay, thank you so much for coming on the show. And you are like my total interior inspiration. So thank you so much make you proud.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I'm a podcast junkie. So I listen to your podcast and I'm, I'm so excited to be on. So thanks
0: for having me. So there you have it. Oh, Shay, is amazing. And I just have watched and followed her, but I've always known that behind the beautiful, beautiful images that she posts is real life happening and unfolding, especially with the team as large as she has, her own family, and of course, the design projects that she shares. I hope that you feel encouraged today, knowing that whatever path you've been on, there's a reason for it. You did not mess up. You just have to move forward. Drew and I always laugh because we met in college in the backseat of a communication class. And while our careers have taken us in different directions, I think it is safe to say that we're all walking around this planet feeling like imposters, but pursuing our passions. And at the end of the day, the pursuit of your passion is so much more important than a degree that's probably buried in a box in your closet. I mean, I'm actually sitting in my closet looking at a box that might or might not have my diploma in it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. And if you have a quick sec, hop on over to Instagram at Gold Digger Podcast and just encourage and cheer Shay on. You guys are going to be obsessed with what she posts. I'm pretty sure I have highlighted and saved every single post she's ever done. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to interview amazing people just like her. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the
1: podcast